tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Looking at different angles of perspective to this particular matter here uh, on Ghana Connect, which, by the way, starts now. said, take a stick, man. He pushed me. I sat on the chair. They slapped me from the back. I'm like, what will make a cry? But they were just still slapping me from the back. And you feel dizzy at once. It was so fast. At this point, they had handcuffed me. And every now and again, one will come and press it harder so that I feel the head. Tonight, fighting for everyone else but ourselves. How the brutal assault of CTFM's Caleb Kuda may have been encouraged by the failure of the media fraternity to unite in taking collective action against forces bent on silencing the fourth estate. This is just the latest in a long series of assaults and brutalities against journalists and nothing really has happened collectively to end it. So tonight we connect serving and retired media practitioners home and abroad to discuss the failure of media solidarization and impunity against journalists. love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. We connect after this break. 55, 78, 15, 18, 17. Hey, Charlie. My network is really killing me. I have to pay my uncle's workers for mobile money, but the charges alone, eh, it's about 380 cities. Charges alone just to send money? That's 10 bucks of cement already, my guy. Listen, bro, you can save money on charges if you move to Vodafone Cash now. Vodafone Cash? Mm-hmm. But my network is... Hey, sending money on that your network, you pay. Sending money on your network to other networks, you pay. But guess what? Sending money on Vodafone Cash is free. Sending money on Vodafone Cash to all other networks is also absolutely free. No charges at all on Vodafone Cash. So tell me, what are you still doing on that your network. Massa, look sharp. Then move to Vodafone Cash. Hey, make a change the same right now. Yeah, sir. sending money on Vodafone Cash to all other networks is now up. 
absolutely free. Send unlimited amounts of money as many times as you like for free. Just dial star 110 hash now to send money. Hello, please. Am I speaking to Miss Joanna Kuma? Yes, please. Aha. Uh-huh. My name is Philip and I'm calling from MTN. Someone has just sent you money and we will need you to enter your PIN number so that we can put the money in your account. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, Dada, MTN will never ask you for your PIN. Never reveal your PIN to anyone under any circumstances. And if you are not sure, always check the number. MTN will only call you with a dedicated number 0244 300,000. Stay safe. Stay vigilant. We are good together everywhere you go. Son, we are so proud of you for setting up this hospital. I really love those hospital beds and waiting chairs. By the way, did you import them? No, Dad, I didn't. I actually got them from Kindle Books and Stationery right here in Ghana. Wow. We also bought our office supplies, safes, executive desks, and chairs from Kingdom, and they gave us expert advice on how to set up our office. Guys, that makes three of us. I also got our sofa and bedroom sets, plus our dining hall furniture for our new home from Kingdom. Wow, Mom, that makes four of us. I usually get my stationery items from Kingdom. And my teacher also mentioned that our classroom furniture was provided by Kingdom. So there you have it. Whenever you're thinking about setting up an office or acquiring furniture for your home, etc., Kingdom Books and Stationery should be your first point of call. With over 14 years' experience in the industry, we stock and supply a wide variety of globally sourced office and home furniture, stationery, and equipment. Visit our head office, Osu Akwaje, or our office near the Osu Stadium. We're also in Tema Community 1, opposite Olam SHS, Kumase KNUST Campus, UCC. Cape Coast and now at the Marina Mall Airport City or call us 0302 764101 it's important to create a productive and supportive working environment by investing in your employees' health. With a leading international track record, Apex Health Insurance is regulated and licensed by the National Health Insurance Authority to provide medical insurance services to institutional clients, families, and individuals. Apex Student Package and International Medical Solutions are all here to cushion you. Visit Apex Health Insurance Office at Zion House, Boundary Road, Shiashi or call 0501-683-914 or 0232-000-015 in Kumasi. We are located opposite Prempe College, Sofoline and in Takradi, Apex Health, your preferred health insurer. Alliance Insurance since 1890. At Alliance Life Ghana. We have a wide range of life insurance packages to suit all pockets from individuals, groups, associations, and businesses. We cover your employees, your funerals, pensions, children's education, and your future. Call us on 0302-267-892 or visit our website www.alliance-gh.com for more inquiries. Alliance Life. We secure your future.
The fifth Ghana CEO Summit is here again. The foremost business conference for topmost CEOs and business leaders to be held on the 17th and 18th of May, 2021 at Kempinski Hotel, Accra, on the theme, Digital Transformation, Powering Business and Government Reset for a Post-Pandemic Economic Resilience, a Public-Private Sector Dialogue. For corporate registration, visit www.ghanaceosummit.com or call 054-639-1970. Powered by CEO Network Ghana, in partnership with GIPC. You're live on Joy 99.7 FM. This is Ghana Connect. My name is Evans Mensah. This week has been a week where the spotlight is on us, media practitioners, when one of our colleagues was brutalized by operatives from the National Security Secretariat. That has uh, opened the Pandora's box about the conduct of the national security, the impunity, uh, and, of course, uh, scrutinizing uh, the, the fight to get justice, not only for him, but for the um, many other journalists who, of course, in the last uh, many, many years have been, uh, have been victims of, of similar assault. Now, fighting for everyone else but ourselves, how the brutal assault of CTFM's Caleb Kuda may have been encouraged by the failure of the media fraternity to unite in uh, taking collective action against forces bent on silencing the Fort Estate. If you haven't heard what happened, this is it. They took me to see Azigo. I showed him my ID card. He said, where are you from? I said, City. Who do you? I said, Richard Mensah. Then he called Richard. didn't even give um, Richard's number. He called OJ. So by the time he spoke to OJ, in my mind, then it was going to be sorted. But this time, they had taken my phone, and they were looking through my chats. And um, they found out that I had sent photos to Zoe. That is when the gentleman started chatting Zoe as though I was the one talking to him. So around this time, he said, take his statement. He pushed me. I sat on the chair, they slapped me from the back. And I'm like, Mabumikakai. but they was just still slapping me from the back. And you feel dizzy at once. It was so fast. At this point, they had handcuffed me, and every now and again, one will come and press it harder so that I feel the head. I least expected that this will happen under Nana Akufuadu as president of Ghana. I think the excesses are getting too much. This government must uh, watch it. The treatment of Caleb was completely unwarranted, overboard and illegal. And the, the, the statement from the Minister of National Security doesn't address it. The ministry has therefore initiated investigations into the said allegations. It is worth noting that the interrogation of the two journalists was necessitated by the following. Mr. Kuda was detected on the third day, filming within the presence of a national security installation. not new. The National Security always issues statements of these three. It doesn't go anywhere uh, after that. And right. so if we don't have an independent inquiry, we treat their response with the contempt it deserves. Our expectation is that that inquiry is not a perfunctory inquiry. It's a serious inquiry that should get to the bottom of it, find out if indeed these allegations are true, persons who are responsible for it be held to account. 
that national security is a security zone. You don't, you don't need that. Every journalist should know that. And Caleb is an experienced journalist. So one would expect that they would have obeyed this simple instructions. And by the way, that assault on Caleb Kuda is just the latest in a long series of uh, brutalities against journalists. And I must tell you, including myself, more than a decade ago. But it hasn't stopped. Um, And we're getting state actors now leading this assault. I have a colleague here who was assaulted by the police. um, And of course, we took action. Um, We've seen this incident of another state actor, National Security Secretariat, men there uh, brutalizing a, a journalist. We will connect serving and retired media practitioners home and abroad to discuss the failure of media solidarization and the impunity against journalists. Well, connecting with me tonight is um, Shamima Muslim, by the way, is a convener of the Alliance for Women in Journalism Africa. She herself was a frontline journalist. Uh, I don't know what to call her, whether she's retired now, uh, but she's not in frontline journalism anymore. Hello, Shamima. Hello, Evans. Hey, Good nice, evening. nice to have you connecting again with us. I'm delighted to hear nice you. Nice to be here. Yeah, your view, particularly also because you're no longer in frontline journalism. I mean, I knew Sabute is just like you, uh, former colleague mm. myself here. He was, he's also connecting. Uh, hello, Annie. Hi, Evans. Hey, great. Are you on Zoom or on your phone? I'm on <laughs> I'm on Zoom, but my my camera don't don't let us start. <laughs> <laughs> At least Abuti knows why I'm asking. Um, I won't disclose further. Those who've listened to Ghana Connect a couple of weeks back know what that question was all about. Guess who was is connecting? Manasseh Zuria Winnie. Uh, he wrote an, an, an editorial on this on this uh, page this week. Um, delighted to hear his uh, thoughts on this matter. Hello, Manasseh. Thank you. He's connecting the studio. Hello, Manasseh. Hi, Evans. Oh, great to have you. Uh, Abdul Karim Ibrahim is a journalist with uh, Class FM, also connects. Hello, uh, Abdul. Hi, Evans. Great. Uh, Benjamin Tete connects with us from the USA. He has over 15 years of journalism practice in Ghana and uh, another parts of Africa. And that's the thing. I want to really measure this, right? I mean, uh, how, is this an African thing? Or is, does it go beyond that? I mean, he's had the best of all the wealth, in fact, because he's uh, recently, right now, currently in the USA, where he's still practicing. So he's done the entire continent practicing journalism. Uh, he's now in the US, a more advanced democracy. Is it different in it there? I mean, in terms of these assholes and abuse of the Fort State members. Uh, he's a graduate of the New York University, currently a contributor to the UN News and the BBC, uh, served with a, as a producer and host of the West Africa Democracy Radio, based in Senegal, uh, just next door, was a board member of the Africa Premier Investigative Journalism Body Fair, uh, based in South Africa. He's presently on the board of Foreign Correspondents Association in the USA. Uh, 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 Benji. Hello, Benji. Hey, Evans. Hey, nice to hear your voice again. Thanks for connecting. Uh, I guess you're connecting from the U.S.? 
Yes, I am from New York. Great. Uh, Theodore is also connecting, and he is aspiring to be a journalist. I'm curious. I mean, those of you who are all yearning to be like myself, sitting on radio, I mean, you think it's all rosy here. It's not. I, I want to get a sense into their heads later on about, I mean, what, how they see this profession, because it's a we need to sustain this, right? Um, are we killing the next generation, the enthusiasm, and the next generation of journalists and broadcasters because of everything else that is happening and the indignity at which sometimes uh, we are all treated by uh, people who simply believe that uh, we, we, we don't have a right to, to do our work. As they say, uh, journalism is not a crime. I want to start with you, Shamima, uh, because, um, so let, let's start with the very latest on this. So, um, let's start with ourselves, because this I want this to be a, a, a reflection, right? Let's stand in front of our mirror and, and let's look a, into that mirror. I want to start with you. So let's start with the Journalist Association president. He said, question the um, almost the ethical integrity of the journalist. He's apologized tonight. Um, um, maybe I should share his apology with everybody else and the contest within which he did so. And then ask the question whether we, we accept that. Unsurprisingly, my condemnation of the office invasion and physical brutalization was muted while my comment on Caleb's ethical style was tilted and overly highlighted, obviously, to achieve certain sensational ends. As a student of leadership, I have learned that a leader is not afraid to change course when confronted with fresh information which challenges his earlier assumptions. As I indicated, the information I had before the interview was scanty. What is available now is sufficient as legal luminaries, distinguished ethicists, and social critics slice and dice the issue from all angles. This is healthy for a free society such as ours, for viewpoint diversity to be manifestly venerated, not maliciously castigated. I also take note of the righteous indignation and of emotional overdrive over the issue. I therefore render my sincerest apology for any misimpression created that I was insensitive to the plight of the two journalists, but excited about the excesses by the national security operatives. Okay. So that's the apology. Uh, Shamima. Yes, Evans. Do you accept that? Well, um, I think that the apology is in order. And um, like the president himself concedes, sometimes you have to reflect deeply on these matters, especially when these matters are vexed matters that go at the heart of the practice of journalism of which you are the president of in this country. Before I proceed further, let me just make some disclaimers because, you know, when you're having a conversation like this, people like to throw in some spokes to derail the process and then we lose sight of the real issues that we need the country to avert its mind to. No, journalists in Ghana have not said that they are above the law and must therefore be treated with its glove if they are found um, falling foul of the law. The media is has not been said they are a perfect, has not said they are a perfect institution and and so they should be above reproach. We haven't said that, so let us clear that and then let's proceed. 
But we all have, must agree and come to this conclusion that the media remains the most important estate of the realm, albeit the fourth. It remains the most important. And if we are forgotten, let me share with you the words of President Nana Adodankwa Ekufuado when he said that I will say again on the occasion of Ghana hosting the International Press Freedom Day that I much prefer the noisy, boisterous, and sometimes scurrilous media of today to the monotonous praise-singing, sycophantic one of yesteryear. These are the words of President Nana Adodankwa Ekufu Ado, the vanguard for freedom of expression, which constitution in Chapter 12 has guaranteed the media's rights to freedom of expression. Also, let me add, by way of public information and awareness, when we're speaking about safety of journalists, there's a definition that says safety of journalists is the ability of journalists and media professionals to receive, to produce, and to share information without facing physical and moral threats. What are some of these threats? The range of threats include murder, Ahmed Swale in Ghana, kidnapping, we have seen some hostage-taking, offline and online harassment, intimidation, enforced disappearances, arbitrary detention and torture, Caleb Kuda. And of course, women journalists also face some specific, and I must add that dangers, which also include sexual violation and assault. So if we speak about receiving and production and sharing of information, I am happy Manasseh is on this call. We all know that investigative journalism remains the pathway to uncovering serious rots in a country like Ghana, where there is entire and complete state capture of all the areas, including the media, because of the ownership and management of Ghana's media being in the hands of big politics and big business. So investigative journalism remains the route to uncovering many rots in the society. And we all know that investigative journalism doesn't always lend itself to the simple processes of everyday journalism because you have to uncover what is being attempted to be covered in order that you bring sunlight to the situation, which means that you can all, you cannot always wait for information to be given to you. In producing and receiving that information, you sometimes need to go undercover or you have to use other means to gain that information, all for the public interest, all for the public interest. So to have this particular situation, let me say that, you know, I'm tired of being exhausted of um, speaking about these issues. And forgive me if I don't sound as enthusiastic about the prospect of another media outcry at this latest assault on Caleb and um, Zoe. And I, I must say sorry to Caleb for the devastation um, that he's gone through the psychological trauma, and to the young lady, um, Zoe. We all know that already women are underrepresented in these kinds of fearsome bravado meted out by agents of the national security 
onto a young, helpless girl like Zoe leaves much to be desired, um, you know, to be desired. So sorry to them. But yes, I am not hopeful that this current outcry by us will lead anywhere because I need to ask us the question, what are we willing to do? Have we not spoken enough? If the murder of Ahmed Swali did not see any mobilization of us to stand up for ourselves and to make statements because we can speak all we want about the media's important role in society, but if the awareness is not, you know, making the necessary impact. We've got to stop speaking and start showing. Several years ago, Evans, I know you were in that meeting. We went through some training um, on advocacy at, um, I think, one of Indum's hotel. And I was speaking about how we needed to come together as the media on certain things of national import, speak on the same language across all of our media pl- platforms if it means organizing and agreeing on a specific time so that anyone who is tuning in via radio online television on that particular time the only thing we are discussing is that i also even mentioned about the possibility of a media blackout three minutes five minutes of complete silence TVs not working, radio of anyone who choosing within that specific bland is complete silence. Then we would see the importance, the, the media. I mean, you, you've touched on information. You, you've touched on almost all the key things that we'll be we analyzing mm. tonight. I want to bring Manasi. Manasi, you, you agree? I mean, she's almost despairing and making the point that she doesn't see that this this latest round of conversations would achieve anything meaningful. I mean, are you as um, uh, disillusioned well i have every reason to agree with her because it starts from us journalists the reason i wrote my article was what i felt was a form of betrayal and these betrayals happen a lot of times they start from the media house you work for ours is one of the most treacherous institutions you can work in I mean, uh, journalism or the media. So when these things happen and then we sit down, whilst one station is talking, for instance, when Latif was assaulted, it was only multimedia with a hashtag, justice for Latif. Everybody seemed not to care. Today it is city. There are some who are sitting somewhere condemning and even trying to justify what happened. DJ president himself was included. Now he's nice, he's apologized, of course. But he started off by saying the man well, was the GJ, I am not a member of the GJ. Oh, but you are, you are, how can you be a journalist of the year one time and not be a member of the GJ? I was a member when the GJ stood for the interest of journalists. Okay. But since it started working actively against the interest of journalists, I felt it wasn't an association that I'll be proud to be a member of. And I'm hoping that one day we shall get leadership that will fight for the journalist. There is an Iraqi poet, uh, Ahmed Mata, who said that uh, we are a flock of sheep and our shepherd is the butcher. That is what the GJ has become. <laughs> the GJ is actually a butcher which is supposed to shepherd us. And this is not the first time it happened. We know that 2015, some journalists had an accident 
And I investigated and realized that the vehicle they went to rent had a problem. Some of the journalists spoke out. But the GGA president, Afilmoni, I interviewed him and he told me, well, he believed the account of Julius Debra, who was the chief of staff and who had every reason to cover up. He believed him over his own uh, journalist. Fortunately, there was a reporter from his own newsroom, Napoleon Atukito, who was on board the vehicle and had actually said there were problems with the vehicles and the, and the driver. So I said, do you believe or do you distrust the, the journalist you sent from your own newsroom to get cover? I feel money looked at me and said, oh, Napoleon was asleep when the thing was happening, so uh, he didn't know what happened. Eventually, he came to apologize. 2017. Mm. I so this is the first time he's apologized for something he said no, 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 in the no, welfare no. journal. No, no, no. I feel money apologizes. 2015, he apologized for that thing. 2017, I did an investigation that led to the cancellation of a $74 million contract. It was actually a fraudulent contract to supply waste beans awarded to the Jospon Group. Afilmoni issued a press statement condemning me, saying that I should not uh, attack profitable local businesses. He didn't state any single journalistic ethic which I broke or breached. So there is, a, how do you call it, a record that the GGA is not working in our interest. And I agree with Shamima. If all of these things are happening in President Kufuado, not that he doesn't know about it, when it happens, uh, at the time it's happening, he didn't send them. But what he does afterwards speaks volumes. Modern Ghana journalists were arrested, detained, tortured. Their gadgets were seized. Nobody has been able to tell us what happened to them. And so if you're a president and you're uh, superintending over all of this, and unfortunately for us, we're told he is a believer of freedom of speech and human rights and all of those things. Unfortunately for us, the minister of information is also a journalist. He was in this studio. I worked with him. So I don't expect him to uh, sit there and not fight for our interest. So if it happened to modern Ghana journalists, they were beaten at national security. Same national security. Yes, and nothing happened. If uh, in 2019, some people were dismissed for beating the journalists at the national security, I am not sure that anybody would do this to Caleb. They would learn. But if it happens and uh, nobody says anything, I am tempted to believe that the... National security is not like the end of the security services. It is directly under the executive. And if you know how they operate, they get their own boys and all of that. And they, don't, they are not under the IGP, even though they wear police uniform and all of that. We saw a lot of that under the, at the uh, Emil Schott Commission. Commission. It was pretty much very obvious yes. how they operated. So these are attacks, if we call them so, because we know that during the election, one actually pulled a gun on a policeman in Kumasi and were told this was somebody who was part of the vigilante groups and was drafted in there. It's almost become a cover for um, for people to misbehave. And yes. if, anything, if somebody be um, from national security. So if all of these are happening and then the executive is sit, uh, sitting down very quietly, then if we had leadership at the GGA, we could decide to boycott all assignments of the executive 
until they do something about it. I mean, but so by you now, you so the, here's the question. So have we brought this on ourselves? I know Sabote used to be here. I know Sabote. I'm, I'm curious. Um, it, 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 is the practice so unattractive that there's a, there's a, there's this exodus right um, from from the fraternity because we ourselves. We don't take care of ourselves. I mean, we, we talk a lot about everything else and all the problems of the country and the world. But as Shamima and Manasseh had said, we don't do enough for ourselves. You agree? Uh, Evans, yeah, good evening. And good evening to everyone. Um, absolutely, I agree. I think the conditions of uh, for journalists uh, have never been an open secret. You know, a lot of people work in media houses whose uh, salary cannot barely take them home. They are not even, they don't have insurance, medical insurance, for example. They do not even have SNET to cover their, barely everything for them, for example. That is why one of the sticky issues has to do with the issue of Soli, for example, where um, journalists are often accused, for example, of uh, what you call pay to publish kind of story where it goes to an event. That is why, for example, uh, journalists are always looking forward to press conferences or events and things like that. Because they know, for example, that that is where they will make their money. I mean, you and I have worked for some of the global uh, media outlets, like the BBC, for example. And you know that somebody has been in the media for 30, 40 years of his life. Because that is the passion. Yeah, they, they work in the, me- in the media until they retire. That, that, that never almost ha- rarely happens exactly. in Ghana. And they write books. They, they publish their thoughts and things like that. But, however, in this part of the world, somebody who's let me tell you, for example, that journalism is more like a springboard or an open space for me to just come in and once an opportunity comes, I jump out and I leave. So it is always difficult to, like uh, Manasa cited the example of uh, the media itself not fighting for its own people. And he cited some examples where once something happens, uh, there are a couple of things. You are looking at the commercial interests of the station, for example. So you either throw the reporter under the bus and maintain your uh, income flow because you need to also sustain the business. You understand? So these are some of the challenges that we have in the media. If journalists are trained, are properly paid, for example, I do not think that assignment will be the priority of the newsroom. I sat with you in the joint newsroom and we know the hunger that and the, com- and the competitiveness with which before you come to the newsroom, you may have at least original stories in your head. However, if you look at the trend, it is more like an assignment or a paid-for reporting that we do. Because at the end of the day, when you go there, you part with something. Because once the person gives you the money, the person has the control over the angle of the story that you publish. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, 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 need to put, I need to put what you're saying in context. People need to understand that if you don't begin to treat yourself respectfully, like respect yourself, others will not respect you. I mean, and so people are probably asking, I mean, but what is the link between um, self-respect and the asshole? There's a whole link there. You think that, when was the last time you had a, a lawyer um, assaulted and brutalized, for example? Because there's a sense and there's a high regard in which they are held. Um, and so, but, but, but ourselves. Um, no, Evans, I think it also has to do with what we do, the work we do. Okay. There are some journalists who will never be insulted, assaulted, attacked in because? any way. Because they come to work, they assign them to go and then cover uh, the minister giving a speech. 
and some of them are so generous enough to even call honorable i've done the story let me read to you and uh, if it is uh, exactly what you want it to be before i give it to my editor such a journalist <laughs> would never get assaulted yeah. the lawyers don't go exposing people i've done stories that have put people in jail people have lost jobs two weeks ago the head of legal at fda lost a job so it depends on the kind of journalism we are talking about if it's the critical type of journalism you wouldn't compare the danger associated with our work to that of the lawyers okay but never, that is even not to say that no matter how thing. terrible it is you can wait is, is see it me. is it abdul benjamin benjamin yes benjamin let me hear you yes thank you i'm i'm glad evans again for putting this discussion on board and i'm glad to hear the positions from especially shamima who happen to have worked at CTFM and, of course, uh, the contribution from Manasi. I believe that, um, let me also first begin by commenting on the statement from the GJ president. It is very sad, very unfortunate, and, in fact, very shameful for the president of the GJ, the one who is entrusted with protection of the rights of journalists and holding up to press freedom to come out and make the statement he made. Well, his, his, his um, apology is rather late, uh, but rather unfortunate. He should not have made that gap in the first place. Had he probably been taking a bit of look at the GJ Code of Ethics, which clearly states. And now let me talk briefly on City Evans. Unfortunately, um, the initial conversation, the initial comment I heard from City um, was not very helpful and I have to be straightforward with this. Uh, as at now, we are still waiting and seeing what action City is going to take. Well, tonight they have uh, this there's a, there's a petition or complaint they filed with NMC um, asking the NMC to formally investigate and take the appropriate action. Thank you, Evans. Thanks for the update. So we, we look for the NMC to that. But in addition to that, first of all, the very first comment I heard when this story came was when Bernard Avler was on live TV. And Bernard is a good brother and a friend, and so we respect him greatly. But when they began describing Caleb's assignment as non-investigative, this was Bernard's word, or non, non-investigative and non-assignment, it immediately says that, oh, he was on his own. And in fact, as soon as you do that, it's like you are throwing uh, the baby right behind the, 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 the under the bus, you know, when you do that, you have given the authorities that those people who are already violating, and I'm sure, I'm, I'm not sure at what stage that video, Bernard was on air when that video came, but I was quite um, saddened. And then later I heard our own um, senior, um, the, the CEO of City, when he came on, and I heard his anger and his bitterness. But I'm sorry, sir, um, Samens, your anger and bitterness alone will not resolve the matter. Telling the guy, the, the so-called uh, the Colonel Ajiman or so, who brutalized your 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 reporter, telling him that he will retire soon and he would he will go to hell or not. Otherwise, President Akufado would have been dead by now by the many people who have insulted him and cursed him. But he's alive. He's still the president. He's enjoying whatever largesse is at his disposal. So saying those statements will not be enough. I want to give an example, and I, I, will, I will salute um, Samson Ladi for some of the good jobs he's done. Again, I'm not saying joy is perfect. Joy can go to a greater length 
to defend its reporters. And I expect more from Joy and the cities because these are the top notch when it comes to media. But I remember one of the occasions I went on assignment right by the traffic lights in front of President Akufuado's residence. The Nima police stopped. In fact, the traffic light wasn't working. This gentleman was right in the middle of the road. I was rushing because Jifab Beho, Jifab Bampo was in the studio and I had to go on top story with us, an assignment from the Eastern region. The traffic wasn't working. Well, right before I stopped, the policeman stopped me and he said I was breaking the traffic light. He took my motorbike and dragged it to the station. He wanted me to write a statement. The immediate thing I did was I called Jifa. Jifa said, Benjamin, call Samson. As soon as I called Samson, Samson said, Benjamin, do not write a statement. Do not sign any document you are giving to you. I know that a lot of media houses may not have the, the, the resources to own a lawyer, but I think no matter what it is, a media house must be able to stand on behalf of its reporter, no matter the situation. And clear communication is important. Even when I heard the narration from City, they had gone to the headquarters of the wherever the arrest had taken place. And then later when they moved, Caleb was still moved to another room and he still suffered. He, to the extent he was made to write a statement from his own narration I heard on City. Remember, and that's those situations, you write a statement that you may eventually come to complete, um, you become, I mean, it, it, it holds you, it holds against you. And that is because of the circumstance. When you have a, a soldier or a police officer holding guns on you, it puts a lot of strain on you. This is where lawyers are, inv are informed. I thought that as soon as Amens and, um, and Bernadavle went there, they would have immediately called in a lawyer. Until the gentleman, the reporter left there, a lawyer should have been present with there because that's the role of the lawyer. They may not be able to uh, tolerate Samens there or tolerate Avle there, but they cannot throw away the lawyer. And immediately tell your reporter, do not write any statement until we call our lawyer. So here, I am sorry that uh, the way uh, City communicated, the way they approach it, I think could be better. I'm glad to hear that NMC, um, they, they're handing it to NMC. But in addition to that, I think clearly this gentleman has been abused and violated. Be he security or not, his rights were violated. He should take action. And I want to say that we should, I'll be willing to lead any journalist group who will be willing, in, including even contributing or crowdsourcing or crowdfunding to raise enough for Caleb to sue the security. Well, I mean, as for, as for that, I'm until really, that is done, uh, yeah. we wouldn't be able to move forward. And uh, this, uh, uh, we would, uh, like uh, said, will repeatedly yeah. come back and be because because it, it, the mass, we must get to point where we say enough is enough. Abdul, where do you stand on this? So, Evans, first, I stand in a position where I think Mr. Afamoni should resign because what he did was completely shameful. And Absolutely. don't forget, and, and let us not be swayed by the fact that Mr. Afamoni, in such um, verbosity, has, um, I mean, recanted the things that he said earlier and apologized. Embedded in that apology was his attempt to also continue to give us lessons on what we must make of what he did. He told us among many other things that, well, he added that uh, Caleb, uh, the, the security service or the national security were wrong in molesting or abusing Caleb, among many other things. But that is not enough. Because that point is completely counterintuitive 
with the earlier statement that he made that Caleb Kuda, um, uh, what he did or the essence of his work was unclear. You see, for the position that he's in and the fact that he represents a professional body, if he were minded to castigate someone, especially under these circumstances, on what the quality of journalism must be, then he should have done the, the best work of engaging Caleb Kuda first. He had not done that, but he was comfortable to say that, well, what he did was unclear, and then went ahead to condemn him under those circumstances. He has failed in his duty to protect journalists in that respect. An apology is not enough. But more importantly, Evans, I think that, you see, there's a certain amount of unspoken elite consensus on this problem. Professor Kwesi Prempe, not so long ago, uh, catalogued some of the debates that had happened in the past. His position on what the uh, NPP then in opposition were doing, and then what NDC then in government were doing. And some of the commentary that we've had people continue to present on all of these matters. He mentioned that he expects that when the NPP come into power someday, they are, they are not going to change anything. And today, that position has been vindicated. So we, we talk about this all the time, but quite clearly, there's an elite consensus at the top there from those who benefit from the security architecture in the way they are today. But journalism and institutions of journalism, as Manasseh has mentioned, as a senior uh, Benji has also mentioned and all of that, continue to fail. And you see, for me, I was completely disabled, completely crushed by what this what CTFM did. And you see, I know that this is difficult because on your platform and generally like that, you don't want to uh, critique your, your colleagues and all of that. So, Evans, you're free to dissociate yourself from my comments, but I am happy to state this and say it categorically. I, I put the first post out there about one hour after Benadavle's interview with uh, Mr. Poradomotri. And it was completely shameful because even without asking him whether or not CTFM sent Caleb Kuda, Mr. Benadavle volunteered that information. And in that, and all along, how they have acted so far is to present themselves in a certain position that suggests that they are objective, neutral, independent third parties to this. They are not. And you see, if you continue to do that, especially within the context of what we are talking about here, where journalists have been abused, and mind you, all the grace that journalists get in constitutions, in media freedom, the ethics, the theories, everything that we talk about, is so that there are many people who have interest and are minded to stop journalists from doing what they, what they do will not be able to do so. That is why there are caveats time and again in the Constitution, and journalism seems to have an unfettered access to do things. And so within that context, we would expect that at every point in time, especially when one of you uh, is, is, is abused in that particular instance, we don't get this attitude of objectiveness. Objectiveness for what exactly? Neutrality for what exactly? So if you play the neutral role, who do you expect to take the position of the journalist in this particular instance? And don't forget also, uh, Evans, myself, Caleb is a very good friend. We're all at Radio Universe together. I am as young as he is. I have no interest tomorrow to take that very dangerous route that he did for the, for the public good. And I'm sure that even some of his colleagues in that same newsroom, and maybe now a spillover in the joiners newsroom and many other places, nobody's going to bother. All we are going to do is to become reactionary journalists. And when the likes of Manasseh, Azuria, Wene, uh, Anas, Aremiya, Anas, we're seeing uh, Snowden, we're seeing um, the likes of Julian Assange, when they, these guys are no more, it's going to be us. 
And we can assure you that given all of this, see what Caleb's father told him. So I won't bother. Well, what, what, did, Caleb, what did Caleb's father tell him? I have well, not heard that. He, well, Caleb says that he dad, his dad called him and says that, well, I think that you should put the, the family first. And you see, here's a father who is demonstrating concern. And he knows very well that Ghana is hard. He knows very well that Caleb is working and is being paid. But perhaps I'm sure that he'll be happy to have Caleb sit home unemployed so that he would himself feed Caleb. If that means that he's going to be protected, if that means that if something happened to him, he would have his superiors act as soldiers and defend him and not sell him out in a shameful way that they did in this particular instance. I mean, and you raise a very important point about what this means for the future of journalism um, and critical journalism. Manasa, I think, introduced that caveat. Critical exactly. journalism. Manasa, let me bring you. You do mm. critical journalism uh, and Shamima as well. And this, you, you can also chip in uh, Shamima if you may. But let me start with Manasa on this. The point that Abdul raises, uh, is he exaggerating it or that's what it is? That there's, there's a... We are seeing le- less and less of the kinds of yourself, critical journalists, um, almost like a dying breed. Is it particularly because of what we what we are seeing? I think three or so weeks ago, an investigative journalist got married. I was there. Anas was there. So I met Anas and I said, uh, "Do you know something? If somebody drops a bomb at this wedding venue." that person will wipe out all the investigative journalists in Ghana. Come to think of it, that's so true. And we all laughed. But we just have a handful of us. Apart from the multimedia group, which other media, a thriving media institution, does investigative reporting, like the traditional media uh, institutions. Hmm. I, don't, I don't see any other that has an investigative desk that does investigative reporting. You, that's, that's so true. That's a, and that's, if you want to so count true. investigative journalists in this country, you can count them on the fingers of a single hand. And the reason, like he said, I agree perfectly with him. I meet people who tell me, well, I, I, I love what you do. I wish I could do it, but I'm afraid. Yes. And it is becoming scarier because of recent happenings. We all know that wherever you live, if you wake up in the morning and someone is murdered in your vicinity, mm-hmm. fear will grip everybody living in that community. Mm. So if we wake up one day and we realize that one mm-hmm. of our colleagues, Ahmed Swallow, was put on TV and uh, threatened, he's murdered and nothing happens, there will be fear in the community of journalism. If you wake up and you realize that some people can just go to modern Ghana offices with guns, abduct two of their reporters, cover their heads with polythene, take them somewhere, maltreat them. And the only thing we know is that within the period, they published some terrible news items about some government officials. And they were made to delete it when they went there. If all of this is happening and then everybody is sitting down, I get a lot of calls. Almost anybody who loves you, miss you, by the time they finish talking to you on any other subject... Oh, Manaziba, be careful. Mm. You know, this is very dangerous. <laughs> it has a psychological toll on you. Mm. What Caleb's yes. father told him, my family have told me same. And it's very difficult turning your back against the people who love you so much. Mm. This work we do, if you die, your media house is not going to collapse. God forbid. But if Caleb had been killed, CTFM would be doing its programs. 
I mean, Shamima, I mean, let, let me hear from an outsider's point of view. You, you were you were front 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 line. You know more. Mm-hmm. Was that part of you know just reassessing you know journalism that possibly made you take that decision to simply you know do something else? Well, let, let me see. It's it's one of the many considerations that has told my. Um, perhaps decision to return to the media. I had to go because of some other reasons, but I think that the decision was made easier for me at the time because the vitriol was just heightening at the time that I I had to go off and on. But the vitriol was heightening on a daily basis. And for a woman, you know the, the nature of the attacks that she get on, on, on a daily basis. So it's one of the considerations. But like I, I said at the beginning, I think we have to weigh heavily on on the way forward and, and what really needs to be done. And, you know, Manasseh speaks about just the two of them. And and then, I mean, from the media development point of view and um, as founder for um, Alliance for Women in Media, I must even be more worried because there is even no female who is who will even think of venturing into the kind of of, of work that Manasseh or Anas has has done on 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 that high level? And just this year, 2020, according to reporters without borders, 50 journalists have been killed worldwide. 50 journalists have been killed worldwide. I think what will be interesting to know is how many politicians have been killed worldwide, how many members of parliament have been killed, how many, um, you know, members of the judiciary have been killed worldwide, how many of them. But so my interest is moving forward. What do we do? What are some of the practical things that we can do? And there are so many things. Um, a few is that we need to begin the awareness, deepening the awareness creation, not only within ourselves as journalists, but to the larger society so they really understand what is at stake. We have to also start the process, as UNESCO puts it, of creating standards. Because if there are standards... And we all know, and we have been, our capacity has been built about some of these standards. Then we, we know what we are measuring ourselves against. And people will become journalists themselves, will become aware of the risks. The organizations would take steps to mitigate these risks and prepare their journalists. There will be proper information flow because sometimes when you're doing an investigative piece, you probably want to get to a certain stage before maybe you would tell your your you know your line managers. Maybe Manasseh will show uh, will share how this is done. But again, I also agree that the response of Bernard was not in good taste, and and um, yes, he could have said it differently even if um, Caleb had not given them information about what he was up to, but I'm sure it was for the station. So let us learn the lessons said. So let's build awareness. Let us start the standards um, creation. Let us develop the policy that will guide the way that we all work together and build stronger coalitions as well. And we need this capacity building and continuous training and retraining of journalists, as well as, you know, um, information sharing sessions with some of these institutions. Because we are in a country where we are decrying mob justice. And to see that there is institutional mob justice, where those who are being paid by our uh, taxes and resources will now meet our violence to people they suspect of having breached a certain law. It's most disdainful to and, say and, the and least. And most importantly, nothing, know better. nothing mm. really happens. 
after it you happened. You know, and, I mean, and Bella Russell just shared her information to me right now. Two years since her ordeal, nothing, nothing has happened out of that investigative you know, process. So what do you want us to do? What can we do? Number one, Evans, are we willing to show the public what our our disquiet is? Can we collectively decide for this media blackout? Even one minute of, we didn't even do it. One minute of silence. We go for events and they say, let us all observe one minute of silence for whoever we have lost. Parliament will do it. I'm sure even um, cabinet meetings, they do it. So we lose a media person or we see this assault on media Latif has been maimed for life and we are unable as a collective to observe one minute of silence so that the whole world will know what one minute of silence on the media is where there is nothing playing nothing showing Quiet, silence, just one minute. Yeah, I mean, let's start with that, one that, minute. That's, that's, everybody should just imagine that, right? I mean, you tune into your favorite radio station, no newspaper, nothing on air, deaths, and no information. People will probably begin to appreciate what we are talking about. Let me let me get a different perspective to this, because there's a part of the conversation that had also been had about the future of journalism and media, and whether all that is happening is discouraging the next generation, not only investigative journalists, but just journalists generally. Chodo is a final year student of the University of Ghana. He connects now. Hello, Chodo. Hello, Samson. Good evening and uh, good evening to my seniors. Yeah, I'm, 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 you're, you're in the uh, Ghana Institute of Journalism, right? Yes, I'm in GIJ, uh, final year. Final year. Let, let me ask you this. You, you, you seriously still want to be a journalist? <laughs> That's or has, no it, or has anything that has happened recently discouraged you? Or is discouraging you? Or g- not, giving not, you second not, thoughts? The discouragement uh, in terms of still wanting to pursue journalism for me and for most of my colleagues, because we've been discussing this particular issue uh, in our WhatsApp groups, via phone calls and in our physical meetups, the, the discouragement does not only come from what has happened to Caleb, uh, it has come from various issues that we've had, we've seen so far, especially when uh, reporters of modern Ghana in, in 2020 were just accosted and taken somewhere where nobody knows about and whatever happened to them happened to them. The question then came, I mean, are bloggers also being uh, mistreated because of the work they do? So it is difficult now as a final year student who is going to come out of school in October to decide whether I really want to be in the media space and do critical journalism because uh, I, as a, a, as a young man, have always admired Anas Arimiyao Anas and recently have started uh, admiring Manasi, and I've always wanted to be a, an investigative journalist. In fact, I have a paper on campus that I am a chief editor for. It's a campus community newspaper called Y Times. And we've set up ourselves as a, an investigative paper. And we are on the we, we are on the mission to bring out issues and, and uh, secrets and corruptions concerning SRC activities and uh, management activities and all that. And in our own small space, we get all these uh, threat calls and threat messages and all that. And we think that, okay, this is as far as it can go. But when you see your senior in the industry uh, arrested, detained, beaten, and you see Caleb, who is one of the funniest persons I know on, on live TV, and he's, 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 he's unable to express himself completely because of the pain he's feeling in his heart, it is difficult to decide whether you really, really want to come out of school and work in the space and actually do impactful journalism or you just want to do the solid kind of journalism. So it's really, really difficult right now deciding. And and 
just to add to what my seniors have said, honestly speaking, when I listen to uh, my senior Bernard Avle uh, submit on the issue, I was actually very, very devastated. In fact, I felt pained on behalf of, of, of um, how do you call him, Caleb, because I, I asked myself, I've always wanted to work at CTFM and City TV now. And when I hear Bernard say this, and I ask myself, so is this what I'm going to suffer? Or is, is this the possibility that I will be entering into if I decided to enter into the industry? So the question, a lot of my mates are saying, look, we are just going to use our communication degree, get into the military or get into the police force, get some office position, sit in our offices and just uh, while I wait time and get paid. Mm. And it's, it's, no. it's a problem. It's I'll a be... big problem because... And Evans, Evans, this is the fear that I have, that we are losing the best journalists or we are losing the best brains to other institutions. It looks like yeah. it, journalism is becoming a launch pad. You all want to yeah. write, uh, jump into the corporate sector. And this is where uh, I think Shamima mentioned something about moving forward. First, I would say if you are a journalist and you're going to do a critical story, especially investigative, please be sure to have a backup. I don't know whether Caleb had it or not. But at least today's day and age, just even connect your phone to Google as you as you take the pictures. It's good that Caleb did one smart thing, which was to share it with someone in the newsroom. I hope and I hope that um, the, the colleague who received the pictures in the newsroom or the videos managed somehow to copy or mm. share something with somewhere. Whatever the situation is, you come into conflict with either security services. Here in the U.S., we all saw in the Black Lives Matter protest. Yeah, I mean, I, I, saw, I saw on live television the, the, um, the CNN journalist who was handcuffed whilst on live television. So this, this really happens everywhere, except that in advanced countries, there's action. I want to hear what you're saying on social media. Ernest, what are people saying? Well, this one says, uh, Evans, I think journalists must be made to know their rights and insist upon them, no matter what. The abuses are too many and uncalled for. This so-called national security should be ashamed of itself. And this from Fred. Uh, Albert from Sakumano says, assuming Caleb wasn't a journalist and some unknown farmer or a public servant, all that happened, nothing. Nobody will hear the story. The perpetrators of this wicked and shameful act must be punished. Uh, Evans, the security agencies act as if they are bound the law uh, and forget that the media serves as the link between the government and citizens. The rule of law must work in this particular case. Uh, this also says, good evening. Uh, please, we have... Uh, okay, and... Um, let me go to Facebook. Uh, this was Evans. The Ghanaian media should stop collecting local fuel from politicians and speak truth to power and ask them the right questions. Cecil Kwabna says, Afro money is an apology of a president. He must resign. And let me pick one final one from Wolanyo in Akwetia. says, journalists must do their work fearlessly, uh, but they should know their limits and boundaries as well. Okay, uh, and, and that's it for Ghana Connect tonight. When I say in 30 seconds, what do you want to see to change this? Is there anything that can happen to change this in 30 seconds? What's the most important thing we can do collectively? Yes, we are hearing that one Lieutenant Colonel Frank Ajiman mm-hmm. actually spearheaded this. Uh, people are saying, uh, Azugu, but from the information we are getting, one Lieutenant Colonel Frank Ajiman. Mm. If the, indeed he was the one who spearheaded this, and tomorrow we hear that he's been dismissed. I don't think anybody who would fill his position was set down for a journalist or any other Ghanaian to be treated the way Caleb yeah. was treated. And I must add, if, the, if it, that doesn't happen, there is executive complicity. 
Because if there's nothing that really comes out of this, then there's just silence and business as usual. And those who have the power to do something never never do anything about the operators who did this. It, it, it means you're complicit. And so they should think about that. Anyway, there's a lot of conversation about solid, by the way. And solid is from the word solidarize, right? And we've co- corrupted that to mean bribe to a journalist. What they really need is solid in its proper original sense. As in solidarity among ourselves to fight this particular menace. Well, uh, the lads are next with Locker Room. extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Morris and I say keep on listening to 99.7 FM. your sports news the locker room. Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online. This is the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Adu Jr. The approaching sporting weekend has on offer trophies in cup competitions across Europe. Definitive stretch as leagues prepare to round up in Spain, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Atletico Madrid have their sights on the crown. And the little knockout in League R title race will have Paris Saint-Germain and Lille on edge. Modric with the pass. Vinicius with the shot. And in it goes. And Real Madrid restore their two-goal cushion. Vinicius Jr. with the instinctive shot on the turn. Beats Alisson down to his left. Some way to restore, as I say, that two-goal cushion. Great finish. And 65 gone. Real Madrid three. Brilliant. A spin. A Magic. A goal. Griezmann, Messi, Barca goal. Magisterial. 
And for Machis, sit through Ter Stegen. It took a lucky touch, but sometimes better Joy. lucky and good. And it's inside in an open header. Jorge Molina's done it again. By Pereira, and very tightly finished off at the back stick by Pirolo. And Lazio have something to take home in their luggage. Atletico Madrid face Osasuna. Real Madrid are away to Athletic Bilbao. And Barcelona, having lost some gas in the title race, face Celta Vigo. All three games have massive implications and to a large extent will determine the destination of the La Liga title this season. We have a preview, including games to come in France, Germany and Italy. In England, it's the reignited Blues against the Hungry Foxes, who have been out of the title headlines for some time. And search of the biggest prize in England's Prime Cup competition at Wembley. Perez, oh, oh the ball's given away. Leicester with a chance. Here that chosen, and he scores. Manchester United. Goodness me, what was going on there? Ianacho's scoring run continues, and Leicester are in front. Ianacho to Tielemans. Tielemans with a drive to the edge of the area. Still going, and scores! Right foot shot into the bottom corner. He did it all himself, and Manchester United defenders on their knees. Delivered into the six-yard box. attacking the cross danger still not clear for Palace Havertz with a chance still Havertz picks out the corner Kai Havertz that didn't take Chelsea long they've dominated the early stages of the game of Selhurst Park and it's the German Kai Havertz who opens the scoring Havertz Pulisic oh wonderful finish emphatic finish Christian Pulisic sent in by Mount towards the back post and there's the third for Chelsea Zuma on the score sheet and for the first time in the Thomas Tuchel reign Chelsea score three goals Chelsea Leicester City in the FA Cup final as Brendan Rodgers forces Thomas Tuchel into checkmate we preview the first of key finals to come for the Blues and check out our top four permutations as well Liverpool West Ham Arsenal are very much under our radar also coming up and it's a penalty going the way of Kumasi Asante to go an opportunity Kwan Poku with a chance to draw first block with a chance to score a goal. Kwame Poku turns around, hits the ball, and it's been saved by Richard Nottel. Over for Hossamon. Oh, my word. This is the kind of drama we're looking for. And how well this has started. Allow the ball to roll. The came into Fatal Mohamed. It's back to Michel Sapon. Outside the penalty box of Kumasi Asante. Beautiful dribble. He still stays outside. He hit the bounce. Back again to Fatal Mohamed. Long ball into the penalty box. Lovely touch. Man comes down. Referee goes for a penalty. Isaac Mensah lining up for this. Will this be the telling blow for Kumasi Asante got a call. Razak Abalora dancing on his line. While the sunshine slightly going into the shade under the clouds. Could this be the time for the rainbow to appear? Isaac Mensah hits the ball right. Saved by Razak Abalora. And this is truly the game of games. Giants Asante got a call. Across Hearts of Oak are in need of maximum points for catch-up or consolidation. We check into both camps ahead of what is becoming an interesting title race here in Ghana. We have a preview of all match day 25 fixtures of the Ghana Premier League. If you'd love to send us a message, we'd love to read them via social media accounts. Joy slash 997 0551 on WhatsApp. Or you can tweet at us at joysportsgh. We'll be on the continent to preview the quarterfinals of the ongoing CAF Champions League. And in Rome to bring you updates from the ongoing Internazionale BNI d'Italia. Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sport. Hello from me, George Alder Jr. and welcome.
right, we begin with boxing here on our show. And it's good if you want to send us your messages. Do that on the WhatsApp line, 551 The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. So then, well, we'll be talking about Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury in a bit. But let's start with the latest world featherweight rankings. And is this Ghanaian, who is currently ranked 12th by the WBC at featherweight and 10th by WBO. Hunter calling for the offensive attack. Three-punch combination from Dogbay. Now corners him, sweeping right hand, and that'll end it. Isaac Dogbay's return comes with an eighth-round TKO. And he finish him. Dogbay, the young, ferocious champion who burst on the scene. Big left hook comes raining in. Oh, and another one. Otaki trying to secure himself. Look at this barrage from the champ. It is over. there would be fireworks from here in Glendale, Arizona, and the champ wasted no time. Remember the name, Isaac Dogbay. You will see plenty of him for years to come. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.